Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello everyone, welcome to another video from Fantasy Football Scout. My name is Az and it's the triumphant return. It's David Monday. How are you, Dave? Well, return, yes. Triumphant, well, we'll have to see. <laughs> well, I mean, depending on what we're talking about, I mean, from FPL... That is a wait and see. But as you well know, as it has been quite a triumphant off-season for both me and you. Uh, because, of course, I sit uh, just in front of the coveted Game Week 39 trophy. So um, I've had some wins, I guess you could say. <laughs> you have indeed. For anyone not aware, David was our uh, player manager for the tournament. Uh, he took us to success against the North. Uh, the trophy now resides at his uh, at his house, my medal is somewhere around here. I should have, I should have worn it. I uh, didn't, didn't even think. <laughs> letting the side down, man. letting the side down. Absolutely. Uh, we did have a friendly the other day, uh, our first friendly preseason, but we won't talk about the result um, of that. Uh, but yeah, um, it was, it was great, wasn't it? It was, it was great being involved in, in Game Week Thirty Nine. I know people, some people are pretty sick of us talking about it, but it, it really was one of the best days of, of my kind of life in the FPL community. I thought you were going to put the full stop after the word life there. It's <laughs> one of the best days of my of my entire life up to this point. I mean, it was it was pretty good um, winning. I mean, in terms of people who are probably sick of us talking about it, I can think of maybe fifteen or sixteen blue shirted people who are so sick of it. Um, but no, it was it was just an amazing thing to be a part of. Um, just in terms of what it represented for the community. I mean, um, during my time at Scout, I was always very keen for us to you know do lots of community community led stuff, and obviously Scout is now you know community sort of champion in the, in the things that it does and I think the one thing that I always wish we could do but we never could and basically it's because of COVID <laughs> was, was was events like that um, and so it's really nice that with that all out of the way you know you've got things like Fest and you've got things like Game Week 39 that really just bring people together um, and kind of showcase the FPL community for like what it is I mean mm. obviously as football fans we're all very used to the concept of Soccer Aid for example and so it sort of feels quite nice to be able to say we're a community that's big enough to put on an event like that uh, to attract, uh, you know, the big names like I'm not going to include myself in that. I mean, people like Az and Harry and <laughs> you know um, Benny Blanco and all that. Um, Ash, hey, you're you're uh, the one with a blue tick. Well, well yeah, but I mean, I, I got that years ago for covering League One football, so it doesn't it doesn't really count in this particular instance. But it's just, it's really nice to bring all those people together to um, 
and to raise we raised loads of money for charity as well which was, was great for street child um united obviously Janny very involved with them and it was just really nice to see uh people turn up and uh and get involved and uh, especially there was one guy who was a Team South fan. I think his name's Dan. Who his his kids were so excited about it, um, and uh, you just love you love to see stuff like that. So much more we can do with it in the future. And yeah, really nice to to be able to do it with with people that I you know consider friends as well. I mean, obviously it was nice to have you in the team as um, me as well. You know, yeah, do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean my friends and you. I mean, <laughs> um, but you know, just just kind of making friends with people I'd never really had much of a chance to interact with before because uh, it's, you know, the fantasy community is, is wide ranging and there's, there's always someone else I've not met yet. Um, and yeah, there's just tons of people who were thrown in my squad who I, I knew of them, but never met them. And now I consider firm friends, uh, you know, like comrades of war, you know, there's just not many things that, that quite beat the feeling of working together as a group and, uh, and winning a trophy, which uh, now I completely understand why you'd become a professional footballer. I had no idea before. <laughs> say, yeah, it's that kind of taste of, of victory and glory that I, that I had to as well. I mean, the community is great, isn't it? I mean, you know, a shout out to Fest as well, Fantasy Football Fest, which is taking place next week um, ahead of the, the deadline. Um, for anyone, you know, who's, who's still kind of a manaring about whether they should go to that or not, I just strongly advise you, you get your tickets to that. You can meet a lot of the people who played in, in the Game Week 39 tournament. I'll be there. Are you, are you going? Uh, I plan to be, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of hoping I'm going to be able to bring this. Yes, um, nice, we, nice. We've got plans to gate crash their live stream. Uh, the whole squad, I think, with the trophy, the medals. Yeah, if we're allowed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or if, even if we're not. Um, but it's, it's it's one of those, you know, the community's growing and, you know, people people should get involved in these in these uh, community things as much as they can. And Fest is, is kind of a perfect way to do that. So do check out, you know, Fantasy Football Fest, you know, even on Twitter, type into Google, um, get your ticket and come along uh, next Friday. Doors open at four. Um, goes on till, till midnight, loads of events and drinks and fun and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to being there. Hopefully I won't get COVID this time and miss it like the last like the last fest. Um, no I know. Um, right. We are kind of not here for that, though. We are here to talk about your FPL draft. Um, so let's get into that. Um, for anyone who doesn't know who, who David is, uh, David was the fantasy football scout editor um, for three, three years, I believe. Three for me. Tool for everyone else. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Three years. And David's uh, history is is fun because um, when you joined as editor, you had, let's say, not the best FPL um, track record. And, you know, obviously everyone was really nice about it to you and no one ever mentioned it and all that it kind was of stuff. So lovely about it. So lovely about it. <laughs> but you were a real kind of like advert for, for Fantasy Football Scout because you came on, you you know, obviously doing the articles in the members area, all that stuff. You then finished 17K, 56K, 61K. So three really respectable uh, ranks, particularly that first one. And then you left Fantasy Football Scout, went back to your old job and you finished 333,000 last year. What happened? Yeah, that's, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Here we go. I'm on. I'm in the hot seat already. Love it. <laughs> Asking the big questions. That's what it's all about. Um, well, I mean, firstly, I have to say, yeah, absolutely. It's it's testament to just how much you can achieve if you spend your entire life living in the fantasy football scout members area. So sign up, everyone watching this, if you want to <laughs> go from being an average fantasy football manager to an all right one. Um, in, in terms of last year, I mean, when you when you work in football for a long time, because I'd worked in football long before I was a, a scout as well. Um, COVID was just, it was just a madness. So I think we all know that, but like it just, it was a bit quite relentless and I kind of really just needed a bit of a year off from football. So the, the job I'm in now is, is just sort of largely straight news media, with a bit of TV thrown in. And um, yeah, without the need, without the necessity, I suppose, to, um, to be in the members area all the time for work, um, I, I detoxed as much as I could, tried to do a bit on my gut. 
and wasn't watching as many games. And yeah, it obviously reflected in the rank. Um, but, you know, I've, I've had my detox year out of the way. This is the year to, to get back to it. And as I said, I'm hoping to, uh, yeah, get back to the dizzy heights of someone who, you know, is in the members area all the time and ready to, to watch all the games and things like that. It just, it's incredible how much difference that makes if you're, if you're paying attention to the right feeds. I think that's the thing. It's like before I came here, this is back uh, originally, I would spend a lot of my time getting a lot of opinion from Twitter, for example. Um, and I love Twitter, obviously. I, I love the interactions on there. But for, for me, in my experience, if you want to use it for FPL, use it for, for Meme FC. I thought I want to give a, give a shout out to them, um, you know, rather than anything else. Because at the end of the day, Twitter is someone's opinion on a certain set of facts. And if you're going to make a decision based on that, um, it's a lot more uh, useful for your team and more productive for your team uh, if you are looking at those facts and figures yourself and making that decision yourself rather than being swayed by someone's opinion. So that's not to knock tw- what Twitter's there for, but I think I probably just leaned on it a bit too much again last mm. season because I, I just didn't have that time um, to be looking at the data myself. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's a lesson I already knew and then like I relearned it last year. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And just, just to be sort of focused in the right places again, I guess. Yep. I mean, for, for anyone as well, I mean, uh, David, we've, we've talked about you kind of going and, and about your job, but you're actually back this, this season doing some content back for Scout. Um, again, you might have seen your, your news video uh, last night, which went out on, on Twitter, which I thought was, was very good. You'll be doing a Sunday evening stream, rounding up the kind of weekend football action, which I think is great. And you'll be doing some sort of other bits as well. Um, as well for uh, Fancy Football Community and some sort of little articles and that, and that kind of stuff. So you clearly missed it because you want to come back into the space. It'd be good to have you back. Yeah, cheers, man. Yeah, I absolutely have missed it. I mean, I think, um, it, I mean, do I even really need to explain how much fun it is to to people watching this video to create Fantasy Football content? I mean, I think everybody knows that it's just there's something intangible about how fun it feels to, you know, to be to be put, putting yourself out there with um, opinions and um and content about something that you're really passionate about. So yeah, very excited to be back, um, especially especially a Sunday stream as well. Like I, I always felt like I, w- I wish I had the time to do that when I was here before. Um, and obviously just with the editorial stuff that that was, which is the bedrock of Fantasy Football Scout, it just it, it never quite got the time to be on as many videos as I'd like. So um, having sort of sorted my life out, I'm now, you know, I've made myself available <laughs> and, for the and, things and that I really want to do. And we get the brilliant rhyme of FPL Sunday with David Monday, which is- Oh, there we are. You know, you can't write it. Of course you can. Sundays were Monday. Absolutely. Can't wait. Yep, absolutely. Uh, right, let's have a look at your team then. So your team is interesting, actually. I've done a couple of um, of these team reveals with Obey and Neil, uh, and they've been relatively similar. The, the template is obviously really strong. You know, two premiums, big at the back, yada, 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 all that kind of stuff. Gabriel Jesus in there. You've got a slightly different route uh, with this one, which is interesting. Uh, so for the benefit of the podcast listeners, your team is Raya in goal. It's Diaz, Botman, and Trent. Very different uh, back three. Uh, Andreas Pereira. It's kind of like there's alarm bells ringing already. Uh, <laughs> but this is why you've you've gone. Um, you've made these kind of sacrifices. You've got Son, Salah, and Haaland. Um, you've squeezed Gabriel Jesus in there as well. And then you've got Neto and Rashford. So you've kind of got the you know three premiums. Uh, you've managed to get Rashford and Jesus in there as well. And then you've had to kind of compromise on on some players, you know, Botman over Trippier, for example, who, who's really popular, Diaz over Cancelo, uh, and then you've, you've stuck in a 4.5 million mid. It's an interesting team. I got to be honest, I don't love it, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's the it's the issue when you try and build these these three premium drafts. So what's the thinking behind it? Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm always the sort of person who's really scared of going without 
a number of different captaincy options and expensive premium players at the beginning. I don't necessarily mind being in that space six or seven game weeks in when I've had a chance to really look at those popular premium players and make a decision about who I don't want. Because obviously it's a lot easier to downgrade from those players to um, someone a bit cheaper, maybe upgrade somewhere else when you've seen three or four game weeks of football. Um, and so I, I was quite keen to build a, a threemium, I suppose. Or it's a, it's a three, a threemium and a half because I've got the threemium and I've got Jesus. Yeah, you know, I, I was really keen to, to try and do that. doesn't really yeah. work, but yeah. <laughs> kind of sounds like a planet you might find on Mass Effect. I'll take that. Um, it's, yeah, it's one of those. And I just felt like that is going to give me slightly more flexibility uh, at the start of the season. Um, I, I think the biggest lesson, I mean, if there's people watching this who, um, you know, it's kind of it's maybe the first season they've taken fantasy football seriously and they really want to give it a, a fair whack. And that's, you know, my first season at Fantasy Football Scout was when I knew I needed to up my game. I knew I needed to listen. And I knew I needed to learn from the best. And the one thing that stuck with me every season that has always made a difference uh, is is about team structure, which um, I, I got. I, I kind of always uh, attribute that to Joe. Um, the, at the start of the season, it's less about necessarily having all of the players that um, that everyone's talking about in every position, or it's not about necessarily having all the best players. It's about making sure that you have got a structure so that you've got the flexibility to move from you know sort of I guess one template to the next from every given season so then it means that you know I'm always going to want to have uh, a 5.5 million midfielder who I feel like can overperform against his kind of his price you know Neto obviously is an obvious one there um, you know I always I, I'm and basically I, I I don't really like having big at the back I hate big at the back as a structure because I feel like it's too restrictive and I don't want to besmirch the fantasy community when I say this. I hope it doesn't come across as offensive, but I feel like every single year we get to the end of the season, we look at how many expensive fullbacks have done really, really well across the course of the whole season, right? And everyone goes, right, this is going to be the year where big at the back is like, everyone's going to do it and it's going to be amazing and we're all going to love it. And then everyone's game week one drafts, you know, it kind of all, that's kind of what everyone goes for. And at the moment, to be fair, that is actually happening. People seem quite committed to it this year more than ever. But I just feel like over the course of the season, you're going to end up with some of those uh, expensive fullbacks. Like they'll go three or four weeks without getting you anything. And you'll start to go, uh, and there'll be a bandwagon in midfield that you can't get to because, you know, you, you've got too much money in defence and, and, and things like that. And so I'm, I'm always keen to build a structure that enables me to jump off on price points. You know, I, I have a structure that's built around price points rather than names. And historically, what has usually been successful for me is to have two no more than two premiums in defence. The rest in defence are going to be budget guys to rotate in and out of that third slot um, in the hope that, you know, I've picked the right teams to rotate. And then that unlocks further spending further forward to jump off from different price points. And as I said, the, the specifics this time is I want to make sure I've got all those premiums in attack so that if Son flops or Salah flops or Jesus flops, you know, I can jump off them and maybe go to big at the back if that has been working, if that makes sense. Whereas jumping from big at the back to big in midfield can be really hard mm. if you're two or three weeks late to the party. So that's kind of the thinking there. I suppose the, the, the glaring omission, I should probably clarify, is Reese James um, or just any Chelsea cover at the back. And I'm still just not sure about them. Um, you know, if, if I'm already slightly averse to the idea that I'm going to have big at the back, you know, like Trent, and I'm, I'm undecided about Trent or Robbo. I can probably talk about that in a minute. You know, I'm undecided about Diaz versus Cancelo, for example, but I know I want, one of those two, especially when you look at their fixtures, they're, they're top uh, on the fixture ticker, I think, for the first six game weeks, Liverpool and Man City, and they're the best two teams, so they're obvious there, right? With Chelsea, I'm a little bit less confident. Um, you know, their fixtures defensively, 
you know, they, when you look at the first six game weeks, you know, they, they don't, they're sort of like sixth or seventh ranked for ease of the fixture. For example, uh, Rudiger has left, who I think was their best centre-back. Uh, so then obviously they're kind of having to replace him with someone new, at least Koulibaly, um, a couple of years older than Rudiger as well. So some people have sort of questioned the, 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 the thinking there. So are they going to be as good at keeping clean sheets? I'm not sure because they've lost their best defender. Um, is Reese James going to start every game? Probably more so this year than last year, but they're still going to compete on lots of different fronts and they still have a couple of other options who can slot in. Tuchel rotates way more than anyone other than, I think, Guardiola, but I think even more than Guardiola sometimes as well. And so if I'm spending six million on a back three that I just, I'm expecting big points from every week, there's just something at the back of my mind that just makes me nervous that Reese James is like possibly still a fraud. I don't know. Like, um, I just because there were so many people who owned him last year and he was deeply frustrating. It would be like he'd go one, 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 18, two, three, two, mm. two, 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 one, 27 points. And I just I can't be dealing with that kind of boom and bust. So that's I think, why I think he is, a, he is a he is a boom or bust player. He's going to frustrate people. He might be playing at centre back. He might be a back four, a full back, and attacking. But obviously, if he starts in a wing back formation, then it's hard, you know, to, to kind of ignore the value. I mean, uh, quite a few things I want to touch on there. I mean, firstly, um, you, you mentioned about kind of people going for big at the back and and that kind of people actually committing to it this season. I mean, we haven't seen a start to a season like this where we've had so many premium defenders at like 40% ownership. I mean, Cancelo is over 40%. Reese James is over 40%. Trent is over 40%. Yeah, these are three kind of big name players I'm seeing in a lot of teams. Players like Robertson, okay, he's, he's featuring in, in the Twitter template, but overall ownership around 10%. Chilwell's about the same as well. So it's really those three names that are kind of, we're seeing in, in a lot of teams. And for a lot of people, it's those three players and then another one. And then, a, and then maybe a 4.5, like you've got a Botman or a Dallow or, or someone um, or and let other people going for for five at the back. So, I mean, it's, it's it's risky to go without two of those those three, given given their ownership. I mean, you know, I'm not someone who who likes kind of effective ownership and, and things, but there's no doubt that Cancelo and and James on their days are very much equal to midfielders in terms of what they can offer you in terms of attacking returns and then the and then defensive stuff at the back. Do you feel like you're you're not going to get that? With, I mean, Diaz and Botman, that's the issue, right? You're you're just not going to get attacking returns from them that you might do even a lot of the five million guys you know look at gabriel how how many attack returns he got like someone like dean cash trippier are you not a bit worried you might be losing out to some of the the more attacking options at the back yeah i mean I, certainly that is a concern i mean cancello is the one that i'm really nervous without because he's just flipping amazing i love cancello so much um i just haven't found a way to get to him without completely busting the structure um i mean there's things i can do i mean i'll come on i'll touch on to it in a minute but i do think that people who go Robertson over Alexander-Arnold might might actually get the better of things in the first sort of few weeks. And so then that 0.5 could be really uh, precious in helping me just bump up from Diaz to, to Cancelo. Um, in my first draft, I actually had Laporte, who actually, I think, kind of went under the radar last year. He mm. was the sixth highest scoring defender. So, I mean, you know, got more points than James last year, got more points than Chill. You know, when, when you look at the people that are in that top six, it's Alexander-Arnold, Cancelo, Robertson, Van Dijk, Matip, Laporte. And so three of that top six are centre-backs <laughs> for a start. And so then, I guess just looking at that pragmatically, like someone necessarily being a wing-back doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get more points. I mean, it's, it's very obvious there that all of the top six there are Man City and Liverpool. And so I don't think that necessarily going with a Man City centre-back is like the worst thing in the world. Um, I wanted to go Laporte, as I said, but there's just this kind of 
worry about his fitness for the preseason. Mm. So I so I switched to Diaz because that was nice and easy. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'm a little bit worried, but I'm always a bit less. I think I'm always a bit less worried not owning a, a defender that lots of people are into than I would be not owning an attacking player. Um, because in terms of like effort to point scoring ratio, um, I feel like it's so easy for it. To, like the, Chelsea conceded in the first minute a game we won and already you know, Reese James's um, sort of points potential is diminished, for example, uh, you know, and, and if Man City, you know, keep a clean sheet and the port, you know, gets some, well, Diaz gets some bonus points, like that particular week, he's outscored him. And like, it's just consistency, I think. Um, I'd rather have something I can rely on for consistency. Um, on on the Newcastle thing, um, I kind of like the idea of rotating Newcastle defence with Brentford defence. So originally my first draft had uh, Janssen, uh, and Botman, and it would be a case of just rotate them in and out um, when I felt like they had a decent fit. I think Newcastle's defense is going to be quite good this year. Um, I should probably, I should probably say, I said on a number of streams last season that I thought that Eddie Howe like was a bit of an overrated manager, and I'm going to officially apologize for that now because I think <laughs> that, like he has absolutely proved himself. Now, like I think I was right to say it about his time at Bournemouth, he was a bit overrated, didn't know how to coach defense. But my understanding is he's gone away. And he's learned loads of stuff. You know, he's kind of like in that break that he's had between those two jobs, um, done a lot of research into a fair few things. And clearly, clearly has, has learned how to coach defence now because Newcastle's defence was actually pretty solid towards the end of the season. Um, and so having a 4.5 million defender in that Newcastle defence, I'm not worried about that. Yep. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Um, yep, very interesting. I mean, the big elephant in the room has to be the inclusion of a 4.5 million midfielder in the starting lineup. I think that's the that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you talk about price points, you talk about structure. I mean, normally a 4.5 million mid isn't part of any kind of flexible team when it when it's starting. I'm going to guess that the reason you're doing that is because there's there's a kind of a rotation that a few people are considering between him, Williams, and, and Patterson going into that these kind of really really cheap players they do actually kind of rotate um quite nicely so i think williams is the one that people are going for i mean newcastle away isn't isn't easy but obviously everton got chelsea and uh pereira's got liverpool so i would probably pick williams out of those three but again it's it's difficult to call but then after that i mean you know it it, it kind of looks a lot better i mean everton have got a decent run they've got villa forest brentford and leeds um you've got nottingham forest with west ham everton spurs and man city uh, and then Fulham have got Wolves and Brentford um, in two and three. So there's options there for you to kind of bring these guys in and out when you need to. But it does affect your flexibility, right? Because if they don't perform and we're not really expecting huge things from them, there's not many ways to move on. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's something that I'm a bit nervous about. And it's one of the reasons why I need to try and find some, I, I think I need to try and find some money to bulk up my bench. Um, you know, this is still a work in progress team, 100%. Um, I think this year more than ever, we've got a number of, as you've, as you've just kind of alluded to there, I think we can rotate in some of these really cheap guys and then do a job possibly. Um, you know, for example, like uh, just going back to Botman, you know, they play Man City in game week three and Everton, I think are playing Forest then. Um, and so then, yeah, it's quite useful. Um, there's something about Pereira though. I, th- I think whenever I've seen him play, he looks quite good. And it's more about it's more about the fact that if if, if I mean if he came if he came in at five point five, I don't think it would be that weird for me to to consider starting him. I suppose mm. because like he is going to be a number ten in that team, uh, you know, a creative attacking player, and you know you've got Mitrovic who is in the form of his life, and I know he is like, you know, the perennial kind of yo-yo player where you know was it 46 goals or something in the championship last year like would not be surprised if he got like four this year that's just how he (laughs) rolls um but if if that does actually if he does actually kick on this year then you've got to think that Pereira is going to be involved so I think that my inclusion there was just more on the lines of like where he's going to play in that team for he's 4.5 because he was a Man United player you know if he if if they'd have launched the game at a time when he'd already signed for Fulham he would definitely be 5-5 yeah and so he can I think he can perform like a 5-5 this year like that's kind of my gutsy call I mean it could pay off it might not and um I guess he he feels a little bit like a Cantwell you know Cantwell was 4.5 but actually and and at the the beginning of me owning him I had a few people sort of being like why are you starting him he's only 4-5 and he smashed it, you know, like I think the, the the very week I signed him and started him, Joe, me and him did a breakfast club and he was like, mm, I think that's probably the only problem with your team is Todd Cantwell. Literally lunchtime game, goal and assist against Chelsea. And I was like, if you've got a 4.5 million mm. midfielder who plays in a really advanced position and looks really dangerous, starting them every week doesn't necessarily have to be a problem. Um, and so it's maybe a bit of a tilt, I suppose, in that regard. I think my caveat to all of this uh, <laughs> is that with the World Cup, I feel a lot more comfortable taking an early wild card than any season before. So I don't mind taking a few more risks in the starting lineup by maybe going about a James or going with a Pereira in the starting lineup uh, at the beginning, knowing that if I change things in game week six, it's okay because I still have another wild card in what is it be like game week 16 or something. So um, yeah, that feels like a bit of a cop out, but mm. <laughs> it's definitely worth mentioning in terms of people's decision-making when it comes to risks in game week one, I think. It's interesting because a 4.5 million mid who, who plays in an, in an attacking side, or we're expecting to be an attacking side as number 10, should be a gift. I think it is a gift for a lot of people when they're looking at their benches and things. But it could also be a gift for you know for, for your teams as well. I mean, we've seen 4.5 options, 4 million options like Lundstrom on the, on your wall, uh, on <laughs> hanging up there. There he is. Um, <laughs> you know, th- these are guys who do break into people's elevens uh, eventually. And you know if you start with those and you get it right kind of early on, um, you know, it can be good. I mean, you know, I look at Patterson, Williams and and Pereira, and I think these are three really, really good options. They're definitely the three best subs we've got. I think Greenwood will have, will see minutes, but likely off the bench. I mean, Archer as well at Villa, he's been amazing pre-season, but not expecting him to start. So the forwards is, is trickier, but definitely in defence and, and midfield. And if, if anyone's sort of wanted, want, wants more information on this, check out Harry's video. Um, which came out today, uh, which is um, on the you know these kind of like enabler uh, type picks, and Pereira will be will be mentioned um, in that. Um, final question then: um, three premiums. That's the kind of name of this video um, as well. I think you might be the first to be three premiums of all these these team team drafts. Um, maybe maybe you're the second. Um, but which of the three 
if you I mean if you're gonna if you are gonna you know spread the money around you're probably gonna have to lose one of those one of those three which which ones are you most set on out of those three and which one do you think might be the one that that fell out if you did get mm. rid of what a horrible question mm. you should you should go into politics journalism pick the worst player out of son Salah, and harlan go. <laughs> <laughs> the worst player uh i mean Salah is staying it's just i just i try not to be rude but i just don't understand how you'd go without him in game we want He's the most expensive player in the game. So, like, if it doesn't work, sell him. If you don't own him and he bangs it, you're like, what do I do now? So, absolutely not. He's definitely staying. I mean, he's not the um, most owned player in the game. Jesus and Haaland are both have I mean, higher ownerships than, than Salah. Well, I mean, it's, I, I think people going that way are brave mm. because any, like, it's Salah. I, I feel like it, it's, it's not really punditry anymore to just be like, it's Salah. But also it's kind of true, in my opinion. So he, he stays 100%. Um, I think it's probably, it's possibly Son, but I'm going to sort of cop out here and say that I have been looking at maybe swapping Son with Kane, which I know doesn't exactly answer the question, but it does say 0.5 million because mm. Kane actually, his stats towards the second half of the season were like better than Son. Um, so between game weeks, what, 20 and 38, so second half of the season, you know, only Salah had more shots on target than Kane uh, and Kane had 12 more shots on target than Son from fewer minutes as well. Um, his expected goal involvement was also higher because even though Son um, created more chances, you know, Kane wasn't exactly terrible at creating them either. Um, and so, yeah, minutes per expected goal involvement was uh, every 137 minutes for Kane, every 222 minutes for Son. Mm. And so... In terms of alternatives, I'm going to cheat on the question because I think I am probably still going to go with th- with a premium. But if I am going to try and change it to make way for someone, I don't really see where there is a natural alternative to Haaland. You know, he's the centre forward in the most attacking team in the league. So I, I I just where and and the midfield options would probably rotate around him. Yes, there's De Bruyne, but he's more expensive. So you know, if we're downgrading, that's not an option. Um, you know, Salah, you could go down to Diaz or you could go down to Darwin. But again, that's that's too much of a downgrade because neither it's, I don't think it's disrespectful to either of those two players to say that they haven't got Salah's pedigree in the Premier League or for Liverpool or for fantasy. Um, whereas, you know, you could switch from Son to Kane and it not be too much of a downgrade, in my opinion. It could possibly be an upgrade. It just comes down to what that money's for. Because whilst Kane has better stats in the second half of the season than Son, obviously Son has the benefit of clean sheets if they happen, which I think they will under Conte. Um, add extra points for the goal as well, you know. And so then it's a hedge. But if you're looking for 0.5, like that would be the one I downgrade. So as I said, apologies. Absolute politicians answer there. It Didn't was. really answer the politicians question. question. Politicians question, yeah. politicians answer. <laughs> it is so tricky though, isn't it? I mean, you've got those four premiums now. Um, you know, I think that the, the, the way the fixtures have fallen for Spurs just makes them so inviting, both, both Son and Kane. Pep's comments about Haaland, which we've always talked about in, in loads of these videos um, as well. And then, you know, I am starting to see some people going without Salah and thinking, OK, maybe Diaz, Trent and Robbo can, can cover that. And then I can go with those. I agree with you. I think, you know, the, if it wasn't Fulham away game week one, if it was a, you know, if it was a kind of a, a tougher start and you, I would think maybe there's a chance that Son and these guys could could match it. I mean, you know, Son at home to Southampton is also a, a brilliant fixture for people who, who want to captain him and, and for Kane. And I'm, I'm not saying not to do it you know there's no guarantee that Salah's gonna go mad but it just feels like that you know a newly promoted team for Salah in game week one he starts season so so strongly 
that guy. And you know, if, if I'm backing one player in game week one to deliver big hauls, it's it's going to be him. So I agree, he's 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 not going anywhere near from not going anywhere from from my team. But yeah, the second premium is is a really really tricky decision. And it's interesting that you're 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 still on with the three. You can have Harland and Son, whereas a lot of people who now are going with two are, are picking one of Son and Kane to to partner. Uh, Salah mm. with that kind of move over to Harland, sort of locked in. Um, already and that's the advantage of this of this three meme draft like you've said is that you haven't got to worry about that because you've got all three i think you just increase the the ceiling of your team um because just all of those three players in my opinion have no so i I think i guess sorry i'm saying that right i think you're increasing the floor of your team Mm. obviously the 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 ceiling of a of an expensive wing back is obviously very high because they can draw on lots of different things you know the clean sheets uh goals and assists and then often if they've got a clean sheet and goals and assists they're going to be more likely to get the bonus points so like i will appreciate they have a higher ceiling than some of these attacking players but these attacking players have a higher floor and so then as i just bring it back around to what i said at the beginning like when you're building a team that you feel like has flexibility in its structure moving from one game to the next um spread of captaincy options you need consistency and you need players that you can consistently turn to and be like you know what i need something from you this week and i feel like i'm probably going to get it because you're son uh, and you're at home to Southampton rather than oh do you know what there's a possible chance Rhys james might miss this because of the champions league or whatever like it's also those sorts of things you don't have to worry about with those premium attacking players. And so then, you know, their effective ownership versus people that don't even own them. Like, let's say I captain one of those players in a week when someone doesn't own them because they've got more, they've got too much money in their defense. Like I'm kind of hoping that just tilts the scales back in my favor. So, yeah. Yep. Very good. Uh, David, excellent stuff as always. Be great to have you back doing stuff for us next season. Um, if you've enjoyed uh, this video, listening to David's very different draft, do give us a subscribe uh, on the channel. Do give this video a like uh, and drop us a comment um, as well. Uh, as we're doing with all the preseason content, if you are um, a Fantasy Football Scout free member, don't have a membership, a paid membership with us, drop your username in the comments and I'll be giving one lucky person uh, on this video uh, a, a paid membership. Um, if you already have a paid membership, drop a friend's username in the comments and I'll give them a paid membership, maybe. And we said one person per per video. Uh, but David, it's been great talking to you again. Uh, we'll obviously catch up again throughout the season. Uh, good luck with, with game week one. Let's hope Andreas Pereira smashes it for you. Yeah, thanks very much. Good to be back.